It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Before I begin, I'd like to mention that we have a new prayer list today. Most of you got them. If not, they're on the back table. And there's some new uh, additions here on this that uh, you need to be aware of. Please consider these things during the week. Now, if we look on our, our screen here, we'll find this is Lesson 43 of 1 Corinthians. And we're in the last chapter. We're starting it today, and we won't have many lessons, maybe two, this one and the next. And, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a letter. So we have a kind of a closing of the letter, even though uh, the apostles always got to have some good teaching in there, even as he closes the letter. So this final teaching that we find here in 1 Corinthians is, is the, um, to the assembly there in Corinth. And the subject is what? Contribution to the saints. That's the subject. Now that's a general statement. Uh, it, it's not contributions to the saints where they were. This was for others in other location, as we'll find out. And we shall learn here of Paul's apostolic method of helping the brethren in Palestine, that is, around Jerusalem and Jerusalem, in their great time of need. What, what was their need? Due to persecution. If you were a Jewish person that had been uh, become a follower of Jesus, the Messiah, and now you are um, uh, a follower of the uh, uh, the carpenter's son and all the different words they had. It was a sect. The Jewish call the Jewish people called it a sect within Judaism. But it brought you into persecution, and the atmosphere of the of the society there was if you had departed that you were pretty much considered not even there any longer. And it became a real, uh, real goal just to stay alive. So they banded together and did the best they could. But this offering that's being spoken of here in this chapter, the contribution, the, the collection, if you will, is to help these people in Palestine through this time of struggle. The persecution was being caused by the unbelieving Jews that lived in Palestine. I say unbelieving, unbelieving in Jesus of Nazareth as the Messiah. They believed in, they believed in God, uh, but they didn't believe in Jesus as the Messiah. 
for a various number of reasons, uh, just as we find even today. So what we're going to look at is the free will offering of the brethren in Corinth. <clears throat> now I have here, um, um, I'm going to read from the Living Oracles, but it's pretty close to what you'll see on the screen, our normal. This is what I had. I didn't have a copy of it. And it says, um, just the first four verses, let's look at that. The apostle says, now concerning the collection, which is for the saints, as I ordered the congregations of Galatia, so also so you. On the first day of the week, let each of you lay some, somewhat by himself, according as he may have prospered, putting it into the treasury, that when I come there may be then no collection. And when I come, whomsoever you shall approve by letters, them I will send to carry your, your gift to Jerusalem, or if, be, or if it be proper that even I should go, they shall go with me. I want to deal with what this is, what's said here. First, Paul has instructed the assemblies in Galatia. Now remember, those, those assemblies are in what we would call uh, Turkey today or uh, Asia Minor in that day, over towards the eastern part of the, the Turkey, Asia Minor area. Was the part was the term the area known as Galatia? There were churches in that area. They had been instructed to <clears throat> take uh, a collection for the saints in Palestine, and this command was also now being given to the Corinthian church um, that they would do likewise. Now, what's interesting is what we're going to deal with in verse 2. But here, still in verse 1, I want to specify something about this giving. All gifts that we make as far as our faith goes, that the Jews made, that the patriarchs made, and that the Christians make, they're all to be free will. They're all to be cheerfully given. But this, this does not mean that giving to the Lord's work in his assemblies is optional. Just because it's free-willed and cheerfully given doesn't mean it's optional. No. <clears throat> it's expected. But the amount, you see, God doesn't put an amount. Now, there was uh, in the Old Testament different things like 10% for this and another 10%. But those were, it's 10% of what you have. If you had two animals, you know, uh, or one animal, a cow, and, and, you, and you could uh, purchase a, a dove or something. It was always according to what you had. It's not a set amount, so you have to give like your neighbor because we're all different. God knows that. He wouldn't impose a giving on people that would harm them. The giving is for your, for your welfare, for your good. But it's not optional. 
we should all give. For God has always required a portion of our income and our goods from those who are his. A portion. Uh, But a portion that is what? What does it say here? According as he may have prospered. You know, there's times when when people haven't prospered at all. And um, some of these gifts will flow towards them instead of them flowing from them to someone else. Um, God's way is always the best. And it is, it is right. The trouble is, we have a hard time getting this right. A very hard time. Because we let the the concept of economy of the world around us interfere with the thinking within the family of God. But remember, giving's not optional. It never was, and it never will be. In a perfect sense, I was going to say in a perfect world, but I don't like the word, word world when I'm talking about God's word. In a perfect sense, in other words, in a perfect format, If the brethren would give as each of them should purpose in their hearts as they have prospered, then, and only then, would would there be exactly what the assembly needs to do God's work. I know that's idealistic. I know it is. And we probably wouldn't recognize it if it happened. And it may happen. I'm just saying, in the perfect sense, I have confidence that God's format for giving is absolutely perfect. And it will accomplish exactly what he wants done. That's how I look at it. I struggle with with the technical part of it, just like everyone else does. but I have confidence in God's way. It's not a hard and fast amount. Amounts are, are beside the point. But just as each has been prospered, we do this, we do this in faith as we live each day. We do everything in faith. In faith that God will take care of things when we're doing what he has asked us to do. We live in that that sort of a faithful way because, remember, all things done apart from faith as a Christian is sin. So as far as being kind of limited, let's just keep our, our works, our words, our deeds, our thinking, everything that we do, let's keep it within the faith. Let's look at a passage here, 2 Corinthians 9. 6 through 12. This is a good illustration here in in, uh, his second letter to the church. And these are are things that we just need to understand. And this, Paul says, he who is sowing sparingly, sparingly also shall reap. And he is sowing in blessings, in blessings also shall reap. Each one, according to as he doth purpose in heart, not out of sorrow or out of necessity, 
For a cheerful giver doth God love. And God is able above all grace to cause to abound to you that in everything always, all sufficiency, having you may abound to every good work. According as it hath been written, he disperseth abroad, he give, gave to the poor, his righteousness uh, doth remain to the age. May he who is supplying seed to the sower and bread for food supply the multitude your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. In everything, being enriched to all liberality, which doth work through us, thanksgiving to God. Because the ministration of this service not only is supplying the wants of the saints, but is also abounding through many thanksgivings to God. And this whole thing ends with the statement about thanking God for the fact that we have an opportunity to be involved in the uh, giving towards the work. Well, let's look at that verse, verse 2 again and reread it because there's something in there I want to share with you. On the first day of the week, let each of you lay somewhat by itself according as he may have prospered, putting it into the treasury, that when I come there may be then no collection. See, this is a real explicit uh, phrase here. And uh, just lately, uh, Brother David sent me uh, uh, some papers. Uh, one of, one of our, our friends uh, sent him about the word Sabbath. Well, as it, as it would be, this is a phrase that we find here in this text. Um, this phrase, first day of the week, uh, you know, it just rolls off of our tongue, but the thing is, it's caused a lot of confusion, but there's good reason for it. There's good reason for it. And I, let me tell you, here's the, here's the real problem. The Bible is basically a book written to the Jewish people, and as far as the days and weeks and times and things, uh, it's their system that we find here. So we go all the way back to creation, and we find day one of creation, don't we? Would that be the first day of the week? And Because a little later on it explains that God made all these things. He calls it day, e uh, evening and morning, day one. Evening and morning, day two. That's the way the Jewish understood the day. Begin in the evening, 6 p.m., we would call it. We'd call it 6 o'clock in the afternoon, wouldn't we? That's when the day began. Evening first. Why? Because that's the way it was when when things were created. We don't live that way. You know, we got the day beginning when most of us are asleep at midnight, you know, so when we wake up, it's the next day. Well, it, it, it was then, too, in reality, but, and then we got the other idea of um, the Sabbath. When did God rest? 
He he created day one, two, three, four, five, six, right? On the on the last day, the seventh day, God rested. And it wasn't called the Sabbath then, it was called the Sabbath later. God rested from his work, so he wanted people to rest from their work and think about what he had done. That was the idea of the Sabbath. So, um, and, and that was also even misunderstood by the Jews as time rolled on. The word that we find translated weak in this verse 2 is literally the word Sabbath. That causes confusion. Sabaton. But, and, and here's the problem. Here's why it's confuse, confusing. Because the first day of each week is our Sunday, right? Isn't this the first day of the week? In the way of counting numerically? Yes. The last day would be the Sabbath. The Sabbath is the last day of each week. If we look at it in the order that the Jews put it, and that and it truly is. There is a resolution to this, though. The word Sabbath here is, in this context, it has the meaning of a period of seven days. See, in this context, not in every context, in some context it, it is speaking of uh, a Sabbath, which is... Uh, um, the last day of the week or, or a special day. Uh, in this context, according to the, the, the uh, Greek um, scholars, I'm quoting Zodiatus here, who's a, a kind of a contemporary. I think he's still with us. Uh, this word also can mean, in this context, the entire week. It's talking about the entire uh, seven-day period, Okay. And that's what's interesting here. Um, and let me go just a little deeper. It denotes a period of seven days, this word sabbaton. And let's look at John. Uh, now, I'll prove that, that this really is speaking of Sunday, okay, that we call it Sunday, the first day of the week. <clears throat> After everything else I've said about the 6 p.m. being the beginning of the new day and all, remember that's all still true all through the Bible. John 20, verse 1, and then we're going to look at verse 19. Okay, now this is um, um, Young, and he's not going to put a, an English word in there unless uh, he's convinced of it. So... Not only is it Sabbath, but it's plural. And on the first of the Sabbath, Mary the Magdalene doth come early, there being yet darkness to the tomb. And she seeth the stone having been taken out of the tomb. Now, uh, even though this is tra translated uh, in, in a way that's correct, the problem is it's misleading to us um, because it's the first of the uh, Sabbath week, which is the entire week. Now, what time of day was it? It was still dark. 
It was still dark. When did the first day of the week start? It started at 6 p.m. the day before she got there. She got there on Sunday, and it was still dark, early in the morning. We would call it Sunday. So that means the resurrection occurred on the Sabbath. Now, we've been through this. I, I have uh, where we know that this all started on a Tuesday, and that gives us all the the three days and three nights in the tomb and the resurrection taking place on the Sabbath. Uh, but what exact time? We don't know. It doesn't say. The Bible doesn't tell us. But this tells us what day it was. And then when we go to verse 19, I believe that's it. Let's look at 19. It being therefore evening on that day. Now, we're talking about the same day uh, she was at the tomb to start with, and now she is with the apostles, her disciples. And it being therefore evening, so evening, it was dark in the morning when she was there, and now it's getting to be evening on that same day, which was the first day of the week, the first of the Sabbath, and the doors having been shut where the disciples were assembled, through fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and saith to them, Peace to you. So we understand this. What we, what we don't understand is what first of the Sabbaths. There's even more to it than that. Um, the proper thought, that, for that first word in that verse in the Greek is kata. Uh, that's how it begins. K-A-T-A, and it really, the, the thought here, the proper thought is how this should be understood is this in verse 2. Each and every first day of every week, that is Sunday, lay beside in the treasury, keeping it separate, that when I come there will be no collection at that time. That's, how, that's what the verse is actually saying. Uh, by the way, lay beside, and then in there with the thought is, as you have prospered, lay beside as you have prospered in the treasury. And then the other idea of keeping it separate. We're talking about a special gift that you would purpose and you would take to the assembly, but it was kept separate from the, the gifts given to the church for the maintenance of, of the congregation there. These, these uh, gifts were kept separate. And they were to, able to do this each first day of the week, which was Sunday, when they met. And, uh, and that would build up through the time, however long time it was. But when Paul came, the gift would already be there. And at that time, they could decide who from that congregation was going to take that gift and take it to Jerusalem, or maybe the apostle would go with them and they would take that gift plus the other gifts from the other groups. They would take all that to Jerusalem. And, and, and they did, as a matter of fact, do just that uh, in, uh, after this time. So there's a lot of different translations of this, but the idea is this. Now, otherwise, otherwise, in, I think the main goal of this 
debate on the word Sabbath. I think the, the real issue is that there's some folks that really want us to meet on, I guess it, they would call it Saturday, <laughs> the Sabbath. But when is it? You know, I know folks that meet on Saturday, but you know what? It's after 6 o'clock in, in the afternoon. They're meeting Saturday night. Aren't they actually on the first day of the week? They are according to the Bible. You see, that's the issue. We just don't have the information we need sometimes when, when we're doing things and we make silly statements. So we have to think it through. These funds were to be kept separate, and, and that's the other point in here that sometimes is lost, from the general fund of the local assembly. And when they were, these, all these were, were put together, they were to be sent. And uh, Paul gives a perfect order here. Uh, men that are approved by letter from their congregation would be sent, and perhaps even Paul would go with them. All of this, you see, this is, this is the proper thing. Um, it's kind of like the offering in a church. You need to treat the offering in the church with respect as far as making sure there's uh, more than one person involved in everything. And that's how we have it here. And that's how it should be done everywhere. Why? Because that's appropriate, isn't it? Wouldn't you want that done? If you had a business and, and you had people closing up at the end of the day, you want more than one person in there uh, taking the money and counting it out and putting it in the whatever and writing all the figures down um, because that's appropriate. So that's, that's just a real... Um, what I've talked about here concerning the Sabbath uh, is de this is debatable. You're going to have different folks uh, may agree with that or, or disagree. Uh, I think I'm right in this uh, because of, of, of the fact that there are definitely, uh, especially in the reading from John, to me that shows that we're talking about um, the idea of darkness early in the morning uh, being the first day of the week. And Jesus, was Jesus there? No. He had already been, he had already been raised from the dead. He was gone. Um, and the stone was rolled away. And she found things the way they were. I mean, and then later on, uh, Jesus appeared to her and uh, two angels came and spoke to her. She went back and told Peter and and she told all the men there, but Peter and John ran to the tomb and saw that he was indeed gone. So, um, and all this has to do with that last week of time. There's a lot that's said about it. Now, just the last, the last few verses in this, um, 5 through 9, is all we're going to do today. Now I will come to you when I have passed through Macedonia. For I do pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I shall abide and even winter with you, that you may send me forward, whithersoever I may go. For I will not now see you in passing, but I hope to remain with you for some time, if the Lord permit. However, I shall remain at Ephesus till Pentecost, 
For a great and effectual door is open to me, yet there are many opposers. So the apostle had a desire to go and spend time with the brethren in Corinth. That's obvious. But his work in Ephesus, where he was then, was very important. And he needed to make sure that it was completed uh, as far as he could go. But on top of all that, his plans were contingent on the Lord's will, always. And that, that changed from time to time. He went where the Lord sent him. Let's look at Acts, chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. And here we're going to find the account of, of just what this is here, uh, what actually happened. Acts 20, 1 through 3. This is when uh, uh, the apostle Paul, there was a great disturbance in Ephesus, and he ended up having to leave. And he went up through Macedonia, and verse 1 through 3, let's see what it says. And after the ceasing of the turmoil, that is in Ephesus, Paul, having called near the disciples and having embraced them, went forth to go on to Macedonia. And having gone through those parts and having extorted them with many words, he came to Greece. Having made also three months stay, Council of the Jews, having been against him, being about to set forth to Syria, there came to him a resolution of returning through Macedonia. You see here, there came to him a resolution. That was the Lord leading him back through Macedonia. Instead of getting on the ship, you know, he, he made his plans. He made his plans. We have to plan, don't we? We get up in the morning, we, we got a plan for the day. So did he. But instead, he went back through Macedonia. But you see, it's just what he said. And, and he's in Ephesus. He's got to go all the way up and around through Constantinople and down into Macedonia and visit all the churches that he had founded. And he went down into Greece. Of course, that's where Corinth, being there across the Isthmus, and he stayed there three months until there was trouble there too. We, got, we make plans. And we make plans to do this and we do that. But, you know, in our lives as Christians, um, our involvement with the Word of God and our involvement with the brethren, sometimes our plans get changed. And uh, if we're sensitive to what is being, what is the truth and what is necessary, we're going to make the right choice as far as our plans. Because ultimately, uh, you know, we can do as we will, uh, but that, that's, not, that's not good when we, we know by our conscience we should be doing something else uh, in certain cases. We should be able to finish this up next week uh, as far as the closing of his writings here. And then I'm not going to go right to 2 Corinthians. I'm going to do some more topical messages on things I think are important, other studies. And, uh, but I, and I hope that's useful. But we want to complete this letter, and when we do, we'll, we'll talk about that. 
uh, as the, the weightiness of this letter. Because we are, number one, reading someone else's mail is true, but those things within that letter have a great effect upon our understanding of Christianity. The will of, of the Lord through his apostles and all the teachings and certainly the, the will of, uh, of God for the church in general that we may benefit from our family, which is the family of God, and not be fighting against it due to our misunderstandings. Um, you know, I'm still looking for that perfect world. We strive towards it, but we're, we find it through the, the pages of the, of the Bible. That's where we find the pattern for things that are working properly. Our, our, our relationships with each other. Everything to do with this life. You know, Christianity is not about going to church on Sunday morning. This is a time of remembrance around the table, of fellowship. We, we go out and live a life. And that life has to, has to look like the life that Christ would want us to live. Those would be my comments for today. Let us uh, now come to the time of our song of invitation and consideration. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.